But now, look, I mean, this art of asking questions and thinking questions in the present world, is that art still around? Oh, yeah. Oh, of course. I... But for you, or for you, probably, yeah, definitely. Uh, but uh, did, did you go to graduate work after you? Uh... No, I didn't. I, I, I could, I really couldn't afford it. I mean, I wanted to. I got, I had, uh, I liked it a lot, and I applied. I applied to Edinburgh, and uh, I got in. They accepted me, you know. But I think, you know, it's not that rigorous. I mean, I've had a pretty decent background, and and you know, if you apply to philosophy graduate school in those days, you get in. So uh, I got in, and. Uh, but then I try to arrange the finances, and I'm one of ten uh, children. I'm the second of ten, and I felt I couldn't really ask my father for any help, given that he had, you know, another, you know, he was educated. He had three or four in college all the time. You know, it's a brutal family. So I, I felt hmm? was the old GI Bill around, man? Then yeah. was, but you know, the GI Bill gave you four years, and I had used them up. Oh, okay. So yeah, that's what I did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I mean, there was nothing there for to go to Edinburgh, so I would have to, and I would try to figure out how I would do it. And I thought, I, you know, I could actually have done it. I mean, I could have, you know, it would be airfare, and and it was not. There was very very few expenses involved. They would set me up with a teaching assistant thing, and so I wouldn't have, you know. But but I just didn't really had no resources. I had, you know, I hadn't been to the dentist in three three or four years. I had no clothing. I had you know two pairs of Levi's and a couple of striped shirts. And that was it. You know what I mean? I didn't have, I, my underwear was so tattered I couldn't, uh, you know, I, I was embarrassing. You know what I mean? So I, I had nothing, nothing. So I, I, and I had no prospects of getting anything. You know what I mean? And I had been living, I've been perfectly happy living on nothing for a long time. But I thought it couldn't continue forever. I mean, now, now I was 26, or, you know, going to be 27. And I had, I didn't have five cents. You know, I couldn't, I had trouble paying to go on. I couldn't go to the movies. I couldn't go on. If I had to go on the tee to Cambridge from Waltham, it was a struggle. You know what I mean? I had to make a plan for that. So, uh, you know, it became, it get a little oppressive. You know, I, I mean, so I thought, well, I got it. And also the politics of the war were still very enthralling. I wanted to, I didn't want to just leave that all behind. I want, and I, I thought <clears throat> I wanted to make a, Career decision that was not a philosophy professor because I'm not. I felt that you know I, I don't know that would be the track of going to Edinburgh. So I thought, well, I'd rather you know I, let me put this decision off and get get a few bucks together and and I and I never pulled the trigger to go back. So I just made another choice and became and started to work in politics. But you know the impulse to read philosophy and to read you know even the harder academic philosophy has never left me. And I have, um, and I still read a decent amount of it. I mean, I I don't have the endurance I used to have, so I, you know, I've, I don't, I don't, I've, you know, uh, Alistair McIntyre I read, and I can read, and I read some Stuart Hampshire, and uh, I actually I'm interested in sort of political philosophy, so I can read. I read little Murray Bookchin, who's an anarchist from Vermont. Have you read Susan? Mm-hmm. Uh, Susan Nyman's book "Evil in Modern Thought." I don't know this one. Uh, it's a, she I kind should. of. I mean, given the fact you're concerned with good and evil, she's like a the rare philosopher actually deals with that issue. See, it's a, it's a perspective on philosophy of uh, good and evil. It's called "Evil in Modern Thought." Susan, Susan Nyman. Yeah, she was a student of John Rawls, so uh, oh, you might. Uh, 
you might find that interesting. Oh yeah, oh, yeah roles. So you know, but I I, I actually think this uh, Alice McIntyre, somebody you might like too. If you're interested. Oh, yeah. Well, I have a be you for a while. I, mean, I don't want to take too much of your time. I have a couple of questions. Given so, um, like many, I guess. Well, it used to be working class boys. I mean, now it's probably women too. The military seemed to have given you the discipline you need to get along with life. And then philosophy, as you said, taught you the art of asking questions. In present society now, 50 years later, are those two options still around? Or are there ways to, you know, try to come up with something else other than the military to give uh, students what they need? And is, there, is philosophy still around to teach people how to ask questions? Or does that even matter, asking questions anymore? Well, I don't know. I think it's not, you know, I think, the, you know, the, the necessity, I mean, had I not, you know, you, it's hard to get out of your own experience. You know, I, I you know, I was, a, didn't succeed as a, as a suburban high school boy, you know, and so I didn't succeed at that. And then I went into military, not for discipline, but because I had to get away from my home and I had to get away. I was in a, a, a bit of trouble, nothing serious, but a bit of trouble. I had to get out of, away from the town, away from the, where I was, and and then and so I stumbled into into this war and this meaningful thing, and uh, and uh, it made me yeah. So it forced me. I wasn't. It's not something I really chose. I mean, I think circumstances impelled me in that direction. You know, I mean, it was. An, so I think it. The military is now, I think, more of a ticket to the middle class than it was. I mean, it's uh, you know, it's composed. It's, it's voluntary military, which I have and I think is a terrible idea, is, uh, you know, composed of people who uh, ha- who have a paucity of opportunity. So uh, I think there are others, you know, there's certainly exceptions to that, but I think that's a great number of people. And, uh, I, I, you know, I think it may give you some discipline. I mean, uh, uh, and maybe some skills and some time away from home, a chance to define yourself as opposed to being defined by your home and parents and, and you. So, you know, you have to take a little bit of control of your life. Uh, not much, but a little. And, uh, but those questions come because your experience is so, you know, makes you impossible to not, to live effectively without asking those questions. I mean, you really can't go through a war like that and not ask these questions. If you if you don't ask questions, you're going to end up with, uh, you know, in a psychiatric hospital. Or you're going to end up with a lot of problems that you don't need to have if you simply do ask yourself the questions. I think it is around, but I think it's not it's not current. I see no, no uh, rebellion from uh, the... The, no act of resistance or rebellion to the current uh, military situations we're in. I don't know why uh, why we have to be in Afghanistan for all these years, why uh, I can understand trying to stabilize the situation in Iraq, but we're the ones that why I can understand not trying to disrupt the thing in the first place to the extent that we did. Uh, if you you know, because you know that you have to go there stabilize and stabilize it once you disrupt it as you do so. But 
you know, I think that that is ultimately that that is the thing that, that the questions and, uh, and delving deeply into this without sentiment intellectually uh, make, keeps you helps you stay sane, or, and uh, and it helps you, uh, you know. Do you know attract the other things that keep you sane? That you know you can have a healthy relationship. So you can have, uh, you know, you insist that you know don't you don't allow yourself to develop too many bad habits because you're you're conscious of all this stuff. So you know that that's where the questions are. I, I you know I don't think it's as easy as it was because I think there's more conformity and more. Uh, you know, few of these questions, and the questions aren't as serious. Well, you seem to have survived well. Um, what if you're a teenage in high school now with the same problems you had back then? What were your, you think you'd still, were there other ways other than the military and the philosophy? That- well, there wasn't then. There are now, I think, you know, uh, there may be some other ways now. There's... Uh, Society seems a little gentler now than it did yeah. in terms of uh, in terms of this stuff, at least. Uh, it's a lot less I mean, violent. Yeah, and it's a lot. Less, and the expectations aren't so rigid. You know, you can. It's much more relaxed. I'm not sure that's always good, but in this, in the case of people who are, don't fit in, I think it's probably pretty good. What's your view on postmodernism? Uh, this view that language is reality and that. I mean, you said you wrote an anthology. Do you think uh, language is reality, and we don't know any reality outside of it? Or? I think this. I think it's. I, I. I hate it. I think it's awful. I think it's awful I, because it's it deconstructs everything to the point of. Of course, language is reality. Language is reality. I mean, you can say. I mean, this is not a modern notion. I mean, uh, Auden said said that. <laughs> W. H. Horton said that uh, religion is the worship of language, and uh, you know it's hard to contradict him. Of course, it's not the worship of language, but you know without language, there's probably no religion. You have to, you know, these they work together, but it's not exclusively language. I mean, there is more. There is something in addition to language. But I, you know, you know, I also like literature, and so the postmodern literature stuff is just terrible. I think because everything is reduced to anthropology and to. Uh, to motive and to psyche and uh, you know there is also work you know what I mean there is you know if you try to I especially hate this uh, when it applies to to authors of the past century because you can't really you can't really uh, deconstruct their work in such a way that you think well this is all the, the reason he was writing all this the reason he was doing this is the effect of homosexuality as opposed to you know, the work itself is subtle, and uh, it's not about that. And uh, you, it, it, it's, it's just sort of self-affirming, and it seems awful. It just seems smug. It's difficult to contradict it, and but uh, but it seems like uh, a smug sort of notion of uh, an easy answer. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't really care for postmodernism. It's, it's, it's a discussion of words. You know, it's, there is authentic experience, and if you live in your authentic experience, you have a different. You know, I. You know, Vietnam is a word, right? But the experience is different. Or, yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. Uh, you know, and but I think there are people for whom there is not that much difference between words and experience because they, you know, they're academic people that are, you know, cosseted and living in. Uh, 
sheltered uh, sheltered lives, and so that is their experience. Is language, you know, they have no not much, haven't had much more. But it's not mine, and I, and you know, I don't know what kind of life that would be. I, you know, I have no use for reason even to take it seriously. I don't think it means much. I mean, it's a philosophical fad, isn't it? I mean, it's a, a way to get the answers without doing the work, right? Yeah. <laughs> By my light, I saw it. Maybe a little harsh, huh? No, I mean, that's my point. Uh, a lot of times I try to make is that the struggle is unfortunately part of life. To, you can just struggle with words, but it's it's you're just creating a false reality. I mean, it's action that actually is the real struggle. And so I don't know. You had a, you wrote an ontology. Do you have a specific ontology or view on what's real from what isn't? My, you know, I don't have answers. You know, I don't have answers. I just don't. I, you know, I wish I did. I wish I could tell you. So I, so- I, you know, I don't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're Socrates. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's uncomfortable, right? I mean, I think that the big thing, the, the big, the big reality is discomfort. You know, that the key to reality is the ability to to to, to accept discomfort and accept the notion that you don't have any answers. I mean, that's the hardest part about any kind of religious, uh, serious religious inquiry is that you know you you, you know you're not going to know. You don't know, and people who do know are delusional. You know, they, you, just, you just don't know, and you're never going to know. And but you have to, you keep studying nonetheless because uh, that's that's the way it works. You know. And so anyway, I thought your your thing about the willingness to fight, you know, is and that this willingness is uh, is uh, in a way a positive characteristic is is right and wrong. You know, I mean, it's it's a positive characteristic in that it's in in terms of if you look at the uh, at the effects on the individual, but it, it's it can be distorted. It can be. I mean, it ennobles the individual to be willing to fight for what's right or what the, what their interests are. What you know that that, but it can be exploited, and it's limiting too. It seems to me it's you know you it, there's a limit to how much it can uh, yield, and the limit the limits are profound. So, I think you're right, uh, but I think there's another. There's, I think you're absolutely. You know, there's no question you're right, but there's another side to it, which is that because that's why I that was the that's the thing that bothered me the most that uh, that the motivation of these fellows who were who I saw were so torn up and so so uh, hurt so badly were. Their motivation was always pure, you know, and it was not. They had no notion that they'd be uh, they'd be used for for very little purpose or no purpose really. To you know that the politicians would wouldn't think that we should get out of there now. You know, we've we done what we're going to do, and there's no sense for another another person to be hurt. That we we've seen what we're going to see and. And uh, let's just shut this down. They couldn't possibly do that, just like they can't do it. And uh, they're having trouble doing it in Iraq and Afghanistan as well. They don't like to shut it down because, uh, you know, there's a lot of rider pressures on them. I mean, they're, you know, political pressures as well as others. And, uh, you know, so if you subvert noble intentions, that's that's a bad thing. That's terrible. And, 
you know, it makes me cringe. Any kind of easy patriotism always upsets me. I, I have trouble, you know, I always stand now for the Star Spangled Banner. I didn't for a long time. I always, uh, you know, I, you know, I never do it without misgivings. And uh, there's always a, there's a, a cost of that willingness to fight that is, you know, horrifying. So. Well, do you agree with Orwell that for often power is just an end in itself? Doesn't doesn't really matter what That's it's applied to. I never argue with Orwell. <laughs> That's good. big mistake. I love Orwell. I'm yeah. still reading Orwell for God's sake. What? I mean, you can't. You know, I never. Of course, it's it, with anybody. That's uh, you know, that's pretty obvious, right? Well, it seems yeah, obvious, but a lot of people seem to forget it because they're always right, you know, right, 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 right. That doesn't mean, yeah, no, it's not. Yeah, no, you're right there. Power is an end in itself, and you, you try to get them to give it up. Yeah. They, you know, even if they make one mistake, they never give it up. Power and money—they don't give up. That's the lesson of politics. That's what politics is about. Well, this is a good Socratic ending. I've taken up a lot of your time. Uh, thank you. Oh, it's quite fun. Thank you. I, I'm afraid it's too boring for words, but no. maybe there's somebody. Oh, it's real life. I mean, this shouldn't be boring. What should be boring is, is I don't know, Twitter. That should be boring. But <laughs> that is boring. That is. That's really. That's this is. Right. This is literally boring, right? <laughs> no, this is right, well, Thanks a lot, sir. I'll Thanks so much. I'm happy to help. I mean, whatever I can do. And right. Take care of yourself and have a good day. You too. Bye now. Bye.